So welcome to Fencing Stories. Liz and Lyra Stewart have been fencing for about 20 years in New Zealand, in the USA, and most recently in Berlin. So welcome to Fencing Stories. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So let's start with talking about your early life. So Liz, would you like to talk to me about kind of your early life in relation to fencing or where you started fencing? Sure, yeah. Um, I had never, I'm sure I've heard of fencing, but I had never tried it or given it a second thought until I was a camp counselor at around age 22. And there was an instructor there called James. And I've always wanted to thank him, but I could never figure out what his last name was to ever contact him and say, hey, you inspired a lifelong interest here. So Uh, If there's anyone who knows a James (laughs) who was a counselor in Maryland, uh, let us know. So he basically was teaching the children at the sort of sport part of the camp, and he did fencing. And it was really, really fun, and I was able to actually hold a foil and do a little bit of practice with it. And he just made it sound so cool and interesting that... I decided that I had to get into this. And so when I went back to uh, Mississippi, uh, where I was living at the time, I found that surprisingly, Mississippi was running a statewide free fencing program in Jackson. And so I was astonished by that. And so I would go out to this big sports complex and they would have free fencing sessions. So that's kind of where I started fencing and we didn't do too much it was just you know the the basics I was in China after that and I could not I only had one lesson in China because at the time China wasn't really into fencing at all and I couldn't find any club and so then when I moved to New York City of course the mecca of fencing I think in the U.S. I was finally able to find uh, clubs there and really get into it and then that's how Lyra and I met, but we'll save that for later. So that's kind of how I got into it. And Lyra, what, what was your pathway into fencing? One of our national heroes in the Philippines, because I grew up in a small city in the Philippines, was Jose Rizal. And there were always photos of him fencing, you know, from the time he was living in Europe. And I've always wanted to try it, but fencing was not a big thing in the Philippines when I was growing up. And so when I ended up living in Cairo as part of grad school, I ended up connecting with this guy from the American University and he would teach us footwork in the middle of an outdoor basketball court under the blazing Egyptian sun. (laughs) And it's just me and this one other Egyptian guy. And we would just be practicing um, lunging and retreats and advances. And then he eventually brought us to this big training center somewhere in Cairo where the national Egyptian national team were practicing. And I remember just being really impressed by it. But also similar to Liz, it wasn't until I went back to New York City, joined a proper fencing club and really got into it. Lyra, what were your early inspirations in relation to fencing I mean obviously Egypt is a little bit of an African powerhouse in fencing so going to the National Centre must have been really something amazing for you 
Oh, it was it was fantastic. Never before. I was already in my 30s by that time, and I've always wanted to do fencing ever since I was a kid, but just never got the chance. So to be there and just watch all these amazing fencers, and I remember it was foil because they were wearing lames, and just to see how beautiful fencing was and is, you know, it was something that I was really inspired. To follow through when I got back to New York, but also just growing up, growing up in the Philippines, not having access to it, and just hearing all these stories about Jose Rizal and Juan Luna, who was a famous painter, and seeing all these photographs, and when they just looked so elegant, everything is changing now in the Philippines in terms of fencing. So there are, as far as I know, maybe two or three fencing clubs, but if you Or a child growing up in a small city, or you're in the provinces and you're not in Manila, which is the capital, you don't really get a chance to fence. And so I think that was one of the things that sort of drove me to really pursue fencing. I moved back to New York, and it was the Beijing Olympics during the time, and then Lee Kiefer and all these other, you know, like fencers. You'd see them, you start following them. It was just amazing, and and for me, it was just something that I really wanted to 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 follow through, because it's like being a child and you're being like a child again, and you're like in this candy store in New York where it's just fencing everywhere. Is that really what New York's like? There's there's fencing all over the place. Well, there was fencing at the where was it Sheridan Fencing Club. Mm-hmm. And then there was also one at New York, uh, no, New Amsterdam fencing. Mm-hmm. And then we eventually also did some practice at Brooklyn um, fencing. And eventually we ended up with Fencers Club. And I remember Liz Cross just being welcoming. And she was there. She was um, he- she was the head of Fencers Club during the time. And it was just great. You walk in there, you know very little about fencing, but she welcomed us as much as she welcomed any Olympian or any high-end fencer, any elite fencer. So that was like a major turning point for me. That's massive. So, Liz, I need to ask you a question. Have you <laughs> ever fenced race in Bowdoin? No. Gosh, no. I actually only started foil about a year and a half ago. I I started as Epe and I continued as Epe until. Um, after my hand injury, and foil was much lighter, so I gave it a go, and now I'm fencing both. But at the time, I was only doing epee. Yeah, the epee being a little bit heavier and kind of quite rough on the wrist at times. Yes, I I did fence a national US team member in my first ever competition at Fencers Club, and I was very happy to come away with three points. Although in epee you can get a double, so she destroyed me. But the three points were very. I was very pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lyra, did uh, did you start with Epe or Foil or maybe even Saber? No, we started. I guess everyone starts with Foil, but because I'm really I'm tiny, I'm petite, <laughs> and so someone at FC I think told me, oh, you should do Epe because you could hit all the parts of the body. But I never. So for many years, I I did Epe, but I never really. Liked it because I thought it was very heavy. I, you know, if someone and a lot of people are taller than me, 
if not most people. And so they could just extend their hand and it would be a double light. So now I'm doing foil and I've been doing it for maybe in total two years. And it took me a while to move to foil, but it was this coach in Dunedin in New Zealand, um, Dave Barson, who said, no, you should really try foil. And he was trying to convince me and I was really reticent. I was like, no, I've been doing epe. And eventually I gave up and just gave in and I tried it and now I love it. Okay, Lyra. So I'm gathering you started in in the Philippines, you moved to New York. Uh, So how did you end up in New Zealand? Oh, there are... It's not a straight trajectory from the Philippines. I moved from the Philippines to Hong Kong and then Hong Kong to Singapore, Singapore to New York with a side trip to Cairo and eventually to New Zealand because by the time Liz and I were together and she was really in love with New Zealand, even if she never stepped foot in New Zealand. And so I went to New Zealand as part of a recce mission, which was to check it out. I remember because I have a lot of Kiwi friends and that I met when I was working in Singapore and Hong Kong. You know, I've always thought I'd visit, but I didn't think I was going to live there. So I went there my first few days. I wasn't really a fan because having lived in New York, where it's vibrant, it's massive. New Zealand is really slow. Yeah. Yeah. I I gather that from my knowledge of New Zealand, too. (laughs) So I was like, I brought my bike too, because I was a bike commuter in New York, and I just could not cycle in New Zealand because it was very hilly and windy. And so I went to this island called Waiheke, took the ferry, brought my bike. It was raining. I slipped. I was bleeding. My knee was bleeding. My elbows were bleeding. And I was pushing my bike against the wind up a hill. And I was going to call this. I was like, I hate this place. Why are we going to be moving here? I don't want to move here. And I reached the top of the hill and I saw Auckland from afar and it was just gorgeous. And I called her. And I said, I love this place. Let's move here. <laughs> okay. So I think probably that leads nicely into uh, <laughs> the next part, which is this This podcast is called Fencing Stories. So yeah. perhaps I can ask you together, perhaps Liz, to start with, uh, with a fencing story. Sure. So Lyra and I had ended up separately in New York and apparently we're both inspired by the 2008 Beijing Olympics because a healthy amount of fencing was shown and it was something that I had already started doing and I had kind of forgotten about it through grad school and work and everything. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm in a city that's offering up so many clubs and there's one, a 10 minute walk from my house. So I just thought, let me give it a go. So I turned up to the New Amsterdam Fencing Center or Fencing Academy and Lyra was there And I had brought my friend, John, who had fenced in high school. And so Lyra spotted us and I think we chatted briefly, but she thought John was my boyfriend. And so um, the next time I came, I was alone. And I think she asked me, oh, well, where's your boyfriend? I said, oh, no, no, he was just a friend and he's going back to California. Um, And so then she was much friendlier after that. I had never learned why. Um, And so we basically, from that point on, became sort of fencing partners. So we would go, we would fence, and because it was an adult fencing class, and 
we would go and have a drink afterwards some nights and just became more and more friendly. And then we decided we would be sparring partners. And so we would do fencing related stuff or do extra training or go like to Brooklyn to do some practice out there because we lived in totally different parts of New York. And then <laughs> Lyra, one night after quite a few months, she said she was going to a party at her friend's place and would I like to go with her? And so far we hadn't really done anything like that together. And I hesitated because there was fencing practice on that night and I was really into fencing and I thought, no, I can't bear missing a fencing night. But I decided, you know, there might be something there. And so I thought I have to give this a shot. So I went to the party, met all of Lyra's friends who are now, some of which are now dear friends. And that was the night that, you know, um, we decided that we could be, go beyond the fencing um, in terms of our, you know, being together. So it was good that I decided to uh, step away from the fencing from, for one <laughs> night. <laughs> and Lyra, is that your recollection too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm just going to add a bit to that. I asked her to join me and my friends at this party because I, I knew she loves reading and writing. And so one of my really good friends um, is a writer. And I thought, well, you know what? Two things. If she says yes and misses fencing practice, then she likes me. And secondly, if my friends like her, then that's great. Because what my friends think of her will really matter. And so both things happened. She said yes. She gave up one night of fencing. And all my friends loved her. <laughs> so that worked out. <laughs> Sitting all of the boxes, I see. Yep. It's silly how hard of a decision it was for me to skip the fencing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. It was like a big choice. Fencing or this girl? <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. I've got a massive smile on my face. <laughs> so, so let me ask you then, Lyra, about recent fencing. I understand you did the, uh, the Madrid circuit, the European Veterans Fencing Championships? Yes. And you did that with Liz as well, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, different weapons, though. Okay, so you're doing epée and Liz is doing foil. No, I did foil, Liz did epée. Well, well, we'll keep this bit in. I'm sure nobody will mind me getting this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so how, how did that all go for you? What was that like as an experience? Oh, it was fantastic for me because, you know, I started late in fencing and living in, in Berlin, much as we love Berlin, and we hate we had a really great club there. You know, people were just super nice and friendly. We didn't have a coach and we only got to practice maybe once a week, twice if we're lucky. So when I went to Madrid and before that I was competing in Berlin and I think Estonia and I wasn't really happy with my fencing, but because we didn't have a coach, we were watching a lot of fencing online. And I went there not really confident about my fencing. And for me, Madrid really mattered a lot. So in life, there are turning points. And for me, it was Madrid. I came into Madrid having just came from Estonia, where it, we meddled, but it wasn't really something we were proud of, unfortunately. And so I went to Madrid just hoping not to finish last. That was it. That was my goal. And so I fenced. 
And although it wasn't my best fencing, for someone who didn't have coaching, who didn't really get a lot of practice, I meddled. I was really shocked when I ended up with a bronze medal. And so that built my confidence because I fought for every point at that tournament. And so when we went back to Berlin and I started practicing again at the club, you know, I was just more confident. And for me, that was something that really mattered because before that, I was like, oh, you know, like we all have this moments when, oh, you know, I'll never be good. I'll never be great. I'll never get this right. For me, it was Madrid wherein like, oh, I'm actually not that bad and I could really improve a lot. So for me, that was a big, big step in the right direction because I've been really unhappy with my fencing for a very long time. So now I'm, I'm really calmer in terms of when I'm on the strip and even in like mentally. And one of the big things that really helped is this link it's called I think it's the coach's compendium list yes is that correct yeah and it really was such a big step because I she would tell me for such a long time to read it read it read it I was like oh I really don't want to do it and I started reading it and there was one section wherein I, I forgot her name but she's quite famous and she was saying you know you have to fake it until you become it and that you need to change the way you think. And for example, if you're fencing someone who is a left-hander, you know, stop thinking about it. She didn't say it, but one of those many links that led to it. Because before I would be really sort of anxious when I'm fencing someone who's a lefty, because it's like, oh my God, they're so difficult to fence. Yeah. But then it became, stop thinking about fencing someone who's left-handed that way and start thinking, oh, I could learn from this. And this is really good practice for me. So that was a shift as well in terms of my mindset. And that was fantastic because when I started fencing someone at this at our club in Berlin, I used to dread fencing um, a lefty. I was like, oh, I really dislike it. But then the next time I was on the strip with him, I was like, no, I'm going to learn how I can fence better. And so that worked. So it sounds like Madrid has allowed you to almost bank a load of resilience and stick it in your back pocket so that you've got it there should you ever need it. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I love how the how you framed it. Absolutely. It was very enlightening for me. And it just sort of, you know, you have all these pieces together for many years. I'm like, oh, my God, they're not coming together. I don't understand it. Sure. And suddenly it just clicked. There is, a, there is another way of fencing left-handers, of facing left-handers, and you can do yes. it You can do it the clever way, which is what sounds like you're doing, or you can do it the stupid way, which I think is what I did once, where I came off the piste and I only noticed they were left-handed once we'd finished. <laughs> but that's, maybe that's just me. So, so Liz, what, what's been recent fencing for yourself? So, like Lyra, I did... Spain and for me Spain was actually my first real big veterans tournament because I've only just turned veteran age so um, I had done the Estonia the Nordic challenge and I did the senior and the veteran but there were only five or six ladies in the Mm -hmm. in my category in FA so 
in Spain, there was 20 something, maybe nearly 30, I think. So that was my first real big event. So like Lyra, it was, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience for me, um, too. And then most recently I did the Leon Paul women's epic open. So it was the senior women's only, and that was really fun. And even better, we got to go and train a couple of nights out there at the Leon Paul Center, and everyone was just incredibly welcoming. Even though they knew we weren't joining their club, they were just really spectacularly nice and um, helpful, and the event was really fun, too. It was great because there was such a range of ages, so, you know, teenagers up until in their 60s, and I just, that's one of the things I love so much about fencing and I think for me, this this I was really determined to, to do this one because there would be such a range. A lot of times at the senior events, it's primarily younger and you might have one veteran. Um, but this was such a good range of people, range of ages. So I walked in and I said, oh, this is great. This is really, really cool. So I was glad I got to do that before we left Europe. That doesn't sound um, that doesn't sound uncommon for UK fencing. If I go to a competition, you might find someone who's I don't know maybe fourteen or fifteen fencing at a high standard. But then you'll also find veterans fencing. There's a chap I know who's I don't want to say he's seventy just in case I'm wrong. <laughs> he's he's near he's nearing seventy and uh, he still fences like an absolute whirlwind. Yeah. And there and obviously everybody in between. Yeah. Well, that's not been our experience, and especially in Germany, I would say in the foil. So, I, like I say, I only started foil about a year and a half ago, and I only had coaching for six months. Because in Germany, adults don't have coaches. It's very hard to access a coach, at least in Berlin. And so we did, like I did want to do, start doing foil tournaments just to get more practice. Because as Lyra said, clubs only offer adults one night a week. And so um, I would enter tournaments just to get some experience. But what I found in foil was that it was all teenagers. There were just no veterans entering the senior. Even, even the competitions that didn't really matter, there were no veterans at them. And they were not fun to do at all. And so Epe, Epe was different because there would be sometimes a, a more of a range, but it's still skewed towards younger fencers. Mm-hmm. And it became just it just became not very fun. And so I had a lot of fun at the Leon Paul Open because there were such a range and you didn't feel awkward or look out of place or, you know, look like what is this old woman doing here? She should stick to the vets. You know, it wasn't like that at all, which is great. I would say it was a little discouraging in Europe for foil because it was intense teenagers and definitely getting, you know, told who's the boss on the strip (laughs) so I I feel that you're in a really good position to explain or to contrast where fencing is well organized and when it's where it's less well organized so what are your feelings on that Lyra I think it would have been in terms of competition and also for training definitely New York without a doubt no fencers club is just top of the line however having lived and fenced as well in Australia, or in, I did Epi in Perth, and then Foil 
in New Zealand, Epe, and then eventually Foil in New Zealand and Berlin, there was a lot more practice time and access to coaching in New Zealand. In terms of competitions, there are barriers to entry, which we can talk about later on in terms of financial and also just access to competitions. But training was really great because we were able to train anytime from three times a week to five times a week. That's plenty, isn't it? That's plenty yeah, of time, sure. And that was great. It was like between two hours to maybe two and a half to three hours, and we could get a coach. So Liz, do you feel the same that there's that there were barriers to fencing in New Zealand and Australia? Um, I would say that the barriers are, are financial in terms of the competition, but I would say that what shocked me upon moving to Berlin, and I've had discussions with people who came from outside Germany and had fenced with, you know, fenced in Paris, for example, and they were shocked as well, is that adults in Germany, well, at least in Berlin, um, we can say, adults are really an afterthought. So there isn't really um, a recognition that veterans can add a lot or would like more training or would like coaching, for example. And so we went and visited so many clubs in Berlin and the answer was always the same. One night a week, there might be a second night, but sometimes that involves footwork or something that reduces the actual bouting to 45 minutes to 60 minutes overall. And that's not enough, especially if you're trying a new weapon, like for example, foil for me. It wasn't enough, and I had no access to coaching at all. And so that was really shocking to me because I thought that just across Europe there would be more access. And so it turned out to be different country by country, for sure. And, for example, Lyra went to a veterans camp in Italy, and the access that veterans in Italy have to fencing was just night and day to to Berlin. So I would agree that... um, New Zealand absolutely offered veterans the chance to practice as much kind of as you really could realistically and the chance to have one-on-one lessons and training and things like that. And that surprised me because as you well know, New Zealand is not a powerhouse in fencing. You know, there aren't, there's not Kiwis that are in the top, whatever, 50 worldwide in any weapon at all. So that did surprise me. So, in relation to then competition, are there barriers there? Are, are you are you native? So are you now nationalised New Zealanders? Is that the right term? Yeah, we're both New Zealand citizens. And are there are there then restrictions or issues with you entering competitions, um, bearing in mind that you're potent, well, you're I assume New Zealand Federation fences. Yeah. Yeah. We had to sign up for the um, New Zealand overseas fencing. And we then on top of that fee, we have to pay a fee per entry into a competition. If, for example, they required an email from Fencing New Zealand, we were expected to pay a fee on top of that. So again, for me, the, the issue in Oceania has been financial rather than like attitudinal. Um, whereas in Germany, it was incredibly cheap to fence and a lot of times entering competitions was free and if it wasn't free it was 10 euros 
Um, whereas in New Zealand, it could be $90, or $90 per weapon with no reduction if you wanted to do two or three. And in Australia, you have to pay a fee to get out of refereeing. And that is per fencer, that is not per club. So it can add up very quickly. You could be looking at $500 on a tournament, and that's not even accounting for travel costs, depending. It's different sort of everywhere. There's pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Of course. And Lyra, how, how are your how are your feelings and is that similar is that the same experience that you've got? Yes, um it is because in Berlin, you know, I would I was a member of two fencing clubs just so I could fence maybe if I'm lucky, three times a week. I was able to get private coaching from the other club, um, through Martin Seeger who is a fantastic uh, fencer and foil um, competing. He competes a lot internationally, but I had to join two clubs and I had to really look and look and ask around just to get a coach in a way. So that's one of the things that surprised us and also makes it quite difficult, especially if you want to compete a lot. So if we park that and we move on to inspiration, so uh, I was talking to Lyra a little bit before the podcast about about inspiration. So who do you want to inspire, Lyra? A lot of older women who are curious, interested, love the idea of fencing. And I've met a number of women just everywhere, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, were in they're really interested to try fencing, but they're they're scared to try it because they're older and they're women and they've some of them are not very athletic. And so if they go to a club and I know how it feels, right? You go into a club, you don't know anyone, and you see a lot of young people fencing and they move differently, they're dynamic. And I think it's important for a lot of older fencers or sorry older women when i say older anything from 30 years old and above sure to really give it a go and not be anxious about the idea of starting a new sport or even just trying fencing and i remember having done a camp in italy last year oh sorry this year in august and it was just fantastic because it was a veterans camp and talking to a lot of women, EPS and foilists, and hearing stories about themselves or about other people, how they started when they were in their 30s or 40s. And there was also this story about this woman who started when she was, I think, in late 70s or in, when she was 80-something, and she started doing saber. <laughs> you know, so, so that's just fantastic. And I think it's important for a lot of women to know that regardless of your age, especially when you're older, you can not only start fencing, but you can even eventually compete. And these are questions that I also see rise up on Reddit and other places, you know, like all people who are in a specific age group and wanting to, to start fencing, but really unsure about it. So Liz, can I ask you about what your future plans are in relation to fencing? What are your plans for the next the next year or so? Sure. Well, I've actually been starting to think, and this follows what Lyra has just said, is I would I currently work with 
in tertiary education and I work with teachers who would like to design qualifications or, or make changes to those. And so I have nothing to do with sport or fitness whatsoever. But I've been thinking that actually I would really like to look into becoming not a personal trainer, but possibly working with older men and women, um, probably just women, um, because that's I'm, I'm a woman, that's my experience, so I can relate a little bit more. But um, working with older people in terms of fitness, mobility, loneliness, that sort of thing, um, people who might like Lyra said, be interested to be more social, be more active, who might like the mental challenge that fencing is, right, but might not know how to do that. And so I've been thinking that I might look to start something new, start some sort of sports training or fitness training to try and help older populations with that. And that could be related to fencing, and it may not be related to fencing. I'm not really sure, but I've started to think along those lines because certainly I wouldn't feel like I have the experience to be a fencing coach or anything like that, but I would like to sort of work with with people who may be interested in fencing. It will be interesting um, where we're moving to uh, in Australia has got quite a lot of fencing clubs and I've started asking around. There's a healthy amount of clubs there too, so it'll just be a case of trying to uh, slot in there and, and be able to fence a lot more and to get some training finally because I've now been left to my own devices in foil for a year so my I'm sure my my habits are appalling so I'm going to need someone to undo that for me <laughs> so so wait a minute you, you're on the move again and you're going yeah. to Australia next yeah wow okay this is difficult for me to get my mind around I've I'm really not very well traveled. I've well, been I've been in Europe my entire life. Honestly, you're not missing much except the destruction of your body from all of the moving and lifting suitcases and boxes. So, you know, I might end up so crippled I'm unable to fence because my back hurts and my shoulder hurts and my places I didn't know could hurt hurt from all of the moving around. So, I would recommend staying in one place. <laughs> But if you do continue with your with your idea professionally to help with older people, at least you'll be with kindred spirits. Yes, I they might I might not look like I can relate in terms of the pain, but I can. <laughs> and Lyra, what are what are your plans for the for the for the near future? Well, because we're moving to Australia, and I really just got the hang of fencing, competing internationally. I. I will have access to hopefully coaches, lessons, and just improve my fencing, improve my foil, and compete more. So that's the plan. But the most important thing is to make sure you're having fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also, we were told this before, I think, in Berlin, don't ever bout with your partner. Yeah. <laughs> so Liz and I would practice together. It doesn't always bode well. I'd like to think that I coached you to your bronze medal in Spain. Thank you. Yes, you did. Yes, absolutely. You did. You were there, like, helping what to do, making, like, all these gestures that really helped. Yes, angry gestures, insults, yes. whatever, whatever motivated her. Whatever works. That's the important thing. <laughs> yes. So, so, Liz, apart from having uh, Lyra as a notable person and this mysterious James from early days, um, <laughs> 
Are there any other notable people that you'd like to say thank you to? Yeah, I would say number one would be James, if I can ever figure out who he was. <laughs> but um, again, as, as Lyra mentioned, Liz Cross as well, because it was very intimidating going to Fencers Club where you could see you know, past and present Olympians just hanging around the club. And you weren't sure what sort of reception that you would receive because it's really youth is where a lot of money comes from and in, in, in terms of clubs and that's how they view how they're able to you know make their living is, is youth fencing and so you never know how you'll be received as an older fencer especially one that only started fencing as an older person at, so you know not at age eight or whatever and so when we went it was really intimidating but it's Lyra said Liz Cross was just incredibly welcoming and inclusive and it just really flowed from there. So if she if she hadn't been or if the club hadn't been, I don't know what we would have done. I'm sure we would have found another club, but it just wasn't the same sort of vibe at the time. So I would say that. And then um, in New Zealand, as Lyra mentioned, when we finally got down to Dunedin, because we weren't able to fence in Auckland. When we got down to Dunedin at Claymore fencing with uh, Dave Barson as the coach down there, and he made it really fun with lessons and inspired Lyra to move to foil where she belongs. And um, in Auckland, when we moved back to Auckland, um, before we left for Berlin, uh, Neil Young as well, who runs Invictus Fencing, and he, he just the way that he runs his lessons, he always talks about the why behind things. So it, and it's quite unique because I haven't really experienced anything like it, wherein there's such a focus on thinking and talking through, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And it was, I really missed it when we moved to Europe because we, if there was an instructor, they just ran footwork, advanced retreat, advanced retreat, lunge, move, blah, blah, blah. So boring. Never talked about how you might vary it and what situations you might vary your footwork, what's best in what situations and contextual fencing and, you know, where you can actually apply things. I would say uh, Neil was really great about that and we really missed him, Lyra, didn't we, when we moved to Berlin and we kept in touch with him. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's the, the addition there is a, a tactical analysis of, yeah. what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it, what to avoid in that situation, and then how that could be beneficial. Yeah, the warm-ups always had some, like, sure, we were warming up our bodies, right? But then after, you know, your bodies are warm, he would go into, okay, we're going to do, we're not just going to do advanced retreat and not talk about what we do and why we're varying our footsteps and in what situations you would want to do that or not want to do that. Or he would talk about feeling things a lot, feeling the blade, feeling your hand, you know, it's quick, slow, slow, quick, and hand and foot, and when you coordinate hand and foot, and it was really great, and it was really sad to leave that, because I had just started going in foil, and I was learning so much, and then, like I say, I had to sort of rely on remembering what he would, um, when I was trying to improve my foil by myself. <laughs> on the piece. Sure. And then the same question for you, Lara. Are there any notable people and notable thank yous that you'd like to give? Well, definitely, as Liz mentioned, Liz Cross, who really shifted everything for us. 
I think, in terms of fencing. Neil Young at Invictus Fencing in New Zealand just because of his lessons and how he makes you think about the why, which is the same thing that Martin Seeger as well at SC Berlin in Germany was doing when he was training me. Like I would have lessons with Martin ideally once a week. And it was really good because it was not just about doing mechanical drills, but teaching me how to react and how to vary my reactions based on what his actions were. And definitely Andre from FG Rotacion in Berlin. Andre is an epee fencer, but he would run classes which is a very small group of people who would show up on a Friday night. So instead of drinking and partying, kind of sad, but we will be training on a Friday. And it could be between three people, four, maybe five fencers. And he would do footwork, drills, and just open fencing. And he was doing it out of his own time and his own dime. And so that was really great. And um, Liz and I are really thankful about it for everything he's done and Dave Barson as well from Dunedin thank you very much for speaking to me I really appreciate it I think this is going to make quite a nice episode so thank you for joining me on Fencing Stories thanks so much for having us do you want to say something as well Lyra similar oh yeah just wanted to say thank you so much it's been you know great fun and it's just good to have a shout out to people who've been really influential absolutely so thanks very much ladies Thank you. Thank you. Have a great Christmas. Hi, Jason. Hi, Nick. Jason, where do you get your kit? I get all my stuff for our club armourer, but I think he gets it from Ian at PVT UK. Me too. I get my stuff from Ian using his website, pbtukfencing.co.uk. What did you get from them last time? Oh, I needed a rewire. I needed a rewire desperately. Between Christmas and New Year, I had a couple of weapons that went down. Right before a competition? I needed it pretty quickly. So I got in touch with Ian, sent it through to me, and I had it by the end of the week. That's really great service. He does testing and repairs of equipment too, doesn't he? He does everything. Masks, jackets, weapons, but also repairs. So very useful. And do you know what the best thing is? They actually have a real shop that you can go and visit to try stuff on. Oh, that's useful because if you need a mask, and you always need to try them on just to make sure they're not flopping around. Well, you wouldn't want a floppy mask, would you? Especially after Christmas, getting those breeches back on. <laughs> Too many mince pies. Well, I know where I'll be going next time I need some fencing equipment. So visit pbtukfencing.co.uk.